Thank you for joining our podcast today. Our discussion today is about AIG's journey to evaluate and evolve its commercial real estate finance technology platform. I'm your host, Steve Powell, Executive Chairman and Founder of Citus AMC. My guests today are Tom Fewings, Global Head of AIG's Commercial Real Estate Finance Business, and Brett Williams, Head of Commercial Real Estate Technology for Citus AMC and creator of Closer Loan Underwriting and Asset Management System. In part one, we learned about AIG's baseline objectives and goals that were key in helping them to develop a technology roadmap. In part two, benefits, lessons, and next steps. Tom, we talked in segment one about the buy or build decision. Now we're into a decision's been made. Can you share with us what was more important to find a system that would support your process or to evolve your process to fit the system? Great question, Steve. I think my advice is first, make sure you know what your current process is and then try and figure out what you want it to be. As you do that, make sure you document it well and lay it out clearly. So we spent a significant amount of time upfront mapping out our process flows using wire diagrams. And then we reviewed it and you've got to be open to potentially new ways and different ways of doing things, which is easier said than done. We discussed all aspects of each process and quite often came across the feedback, but this is how it's always been done. And I think that's a mindset that you have to change. It's been a really interesting journey for us. It's a bit of a balancing act between what you know you need, what you think you want, and then what you learn along the way about what's possible. And then you've got to figure out what's feasible within the organization you work in. To use you know, a Boy Scouts motto here, be prepared. So the more work and thinking you do upfront, the better. But I'd also say that you have to reach a point where you just got to get started because you're never going to solve everything up front. The process mapping is necessary and extremely important. But again, be careful and don't get tied to your existing process. This is really a chance to reimagine and improve upon what you currently do. You have to think about your systems integration strategy because, as we said at the beginning, there's no one-size-fits-all here. So you will have to integrate several solutions. And ideally, in the ideal world, try and come up with a plug-and-play architecture so you can switch technologies in and out. If you change your accounting system, you don't want the whole thing to fall over. Use of outsourcing was something that we found incredibly useful. And then plan, but be flexible with your plan. You will need to be flexible as you go along this journey. Try and iterate in small steps or sprints as the current jargon refers to it, which allows you to do things in small steps so that you are not so far down the line that it becomes very painful to change course. You know, the question that also weighs heavily into the bill-by decision ends up being, the specification that you end up with, and then the short list of products that you really evaluate and try and come up with to address what you need. 
what we did then was to just try and choose one or two that we felt came closest to what we could live with or came closest to what we wanted. But then most importantly, we picked the one we felt we could work with most easily. And our experience and process has benefited greatly from being able to work with these partners and to make sure that they shared our vision and that we shared their vision really of the future of where they wanted to go and where we wanted to go. And that included being open to workflow type infrastructure within their products, the open integration that we talked about. And also we found that not only are we talking about technology partners here, but also our service providers who we were going to need to feed data into these systems. So we decided that what we wanted to do as AIG was to decide what we wanted to focus on. And that was, we would do the systems integration work. We decided that we really needed to have a data warehouse and that we would then provide the MIS or the technology to surface data from a high-level decision-making process. And also, we wanted to explore what we could do with AI or machine learning techniques to analyze the data. You noted a key consideration in your planning process, which is the importance of a partnership. As you stated, there were several different technology and service providers that needed to be included in your journey. Even years later, this is still the case. Brett, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Tom insisted on some self-discovery in this process. How important do you feel self-discovery is? Or would you recommend that a consultant is brought in from the beginning? I think Tom's spot on in terms of what has to be done. I mean, we say all the time, you have to know what problems you're solving. And you definitely have to know what problems you're not solving. And you have to know what you do now. If you don't understand what you do now, you can't, if, if it's perfect and you're just trying to digitize it or create you know, systems around it, you can't replicate it into a system if you don't know what it is. And certainly if you're implementing a system to make real shifts in automation and integration, it probably can't be what it is now. The point is to change and cut elements out of the process and really streamline that process. So you got to know where you are and all the different facets of that. And you got to know where you're going in order to get into a system. And that is system agnostic. It doesn't matter what system you're doing. You need to know those things. So sitting down, understanding that process map of all the different moving parts that you're trying to manage is critical for a successful implementation of, of any system. With systems as configurable as they are now, most folks aren't going to come in and tell you, here, use my system. It tells you how to do a loan. AIG knows how to make a loan. They know how to do asset management. They need a system to conform to the way that they do that and to start tapping into pain points and reducing those pain points along the way. So you got to know what you're doing. Then you can put it into a system. You could use a consultant for that. There's a lot of folks who do. It's often really helpful to have a third party be outside of that process. It's amazing how ingrained the process gets into a team's mind where they don't even consciously identify certain things that get done because it's just the normal flow. You go next door and you ask 
you know, somebody for this file and it shows up in your email. Like you don't even think about that as a process step, but it is. So consultants can be really helpful as third parties to identify those items that you might be a little bit blind to. You can obviously do it internally. It's a lot of particularly the larger financial institutions have teams internal that can help with this sort of thing and are basically like a third party because they're not really working in the day-to-day of the business. So they can approach it independently. At the end of it, so many clients struggle with fully understanding everything that they're trying to accomplish, all the problems they're trying to solve. So taking more time, extra time doing that on the front end really does pay off in the long run as you are engaging a vendor to configure and in some cases create customizations for your process. And Tom, one other thing, he mentioned standards, and that's a huge thing because it's not just process that you're dealing with. He's trying to automate and integrate downstream a lot of data. And when you are living in a world of Excel or Word, whether it's credit memos or underwriting models or whatever it may be, there is a flexibility that there's a reason it's the tool of choice. There's a flexibility available there that really does not translate well into standardized systems that move large amounts of data downstream. So that flexibility and that understanding about the problems you're solving really does end up leaning towards a lot of standardization around reports, around accounts, around how you key tenants and all kinds of things that can take some time. It takes a committee to really process through what you can tolerate and what you can't tolerate, how much flexibility you need, and in some cases, how to ironically standardize the flexibility so that at the end of the day, you can actually aggregate all your data over time and understand what it's telling you. Brett, that's really interesting and insightful. Let me expand upon this with a follow-up question. The two of us have been through many implementations over the last decade. Some I prefer never to revisit again, and some have been quite successful. We'll keep the names private for the purposes of our discussion today. I think the unique situation with AIG's implementation was the buy-in and leadership from the top with Tom. It's been my experience that often there's a decision made to implement a system, but not a lot of thought around what is necessary for a successful process. I also feel that one's openness to completely reimagine their process can also be an advantage in analyzing whether to build or buy a system. Having Tom involved from the beginning brought granularity into the process, although it might have been a little bit challenging at times. Sorry, Tom. I think it has been materially important to your implementation though, that you have been involved. Brett, do you care to expand on Tom's involvement in the process? Absolutely. One of the most critical success factors for an implementation is leadership support. There have been plenty of times when someone got a system because they thought they were supposed to. They thought it was a compliance issue. There was one little nuanced piece of it that they really wanted, but in order to leverage that feature, you really needed a lot of other data. You know, you really needed more uh, broader usage of the system to be able to leverage this one feature. And in a lot of those cases, 
you really don't have management support. They, you know, oftentimes it's, that's not really what they're having to do. They just want to see the results. They just want to see the data. Why can't the data just show up? And you really fight for every inch of success in those scenarios. If the leadership isn't running out saying, this is important. This is our vision. This is what we hope to achieve in the long run. And I need you on board. If you don't have leadership doing that, you're just not going to get there. The fact that Tom can articulate that vision and can explain the downstream value proposition for AIG in surfacing the risk of the portfolio and all kinds of downstream values around the data reuse. The fact that he can do that and can stand up and tell his team, this is what we're doing this for, so I need you to do these things, really is the key to a long-running partnership that's non-adversarial that is looking to solve a common problem and has the highest likelihood of success doing it with that kind of top-down support. Tom, I'm thinking back to when we started this journey and we're making it sound like it all came together naturally, like holiday dinner with the family. There were some real lessons learned here. It didn't start out so smoothly, right? You had to bring people together and unite them. What were some of the lessons you learned early on in this process, both in discovery and implementation? And were there any aha moments? Thanks, guys. I look, there's a lot of stuff you've touched on there. And by the way, I'm on a permanent journey of self-discovery, just so we're all clear. Um, you know, just going back to some of the points made there about consultant, do you hire, do you do it yourself, etc. I'd say a few things. I like the word facilitator because we did try and think we thought we were hiring a consultant and we would just like have a meeting. They would sort it all out for us. That doesn't happen. You've got to be prepared to roll your sleeves up and get involved. I also think it's very difficult to do that without somebody to help facilitate because you can go down a lot of dead ends and rabbit holes, so to speak. So having somebody to help you and help structure the discussion is valuable. And that's kind of where we ended up. You know, some of the things that you touched on were kind of ended up being aha moments. We didn't start out thinking we were going to adopt industry standards, et cetera. But when we started thinking about how data would flow from one process to another, and how we were going to interact with people outside of AIG, it became very obvious that we needed to adopt standards in terms of data, et cetera, in terms of transfer. And that was something that came after we thrashed out a lot of the processes and what we wanted to achieve. So that's on the kind of consultant side of things. And then on the sponsorship, I appreciate Brett's comments, but I got to be honest, it was fairly self-serving. You know, I think the one thing you find certainly in a big organization, and I think to be honest anywhere, is that the more transparent you are about your business and the more comfort you give people that you are in control of your business, the more flexibility they will give you and the more they'll um, in some ways leave you alone because they don't have to come to you to figure out what's going on. You're giving them readily accessible information on an ongoing basis about what's happening in your business. And so I think it was really self-serving and has served us well. I looked at all the stakeholders in our business, which is my boss, my boss's boss, IT, because we need them, our risk department, audit department, and our modeling teams. And I think by having them on board early, 
and buying into what we were doing, which I don't think is that difficult when you explain to rational people why you're doing these things, it made our lives a lot easier. And you really do need them to buy in because as you go further down the line on this, you know, resource is a scarce commodity in any organization and you are going to need resource and you're going to use resource and people need to understand why you're doing it. I think we tried to define short, medium and longer term goals and objectives. And there's no doubt things will change over time. But I do think, you know, where you can ease some of the pain is to have some short-term wins or some things that you can show along the way. You know, I think we were very careful and cognizant that we wanted to avoid the cooler chat of people saying, I don't know what that group is up to. They're just using a lot of resource and we've seen nothing for years. So we were very conscious of that and tried to design short-term wins along the way. I also think that big aha moment was regular review and planning sessions is crucial. And we certainly didn't really realize that at the beginning. I think we had a, lots of planning sessions. And then I certainly thought, right, you know, I can like kick this off and um, I'll come back when it's ready. And it, yeah, it, it, really, it really doesn't work like that. You know, I think, again, working with the two of you has been crucial as well, because you know, I think we found very early on is that the teams will go off in different direction or maybe lose traction or not really understand what is a big issue and what isn't a big issue and what we should focus on or not. And I think we really, when we implemented a process of, you know, a regular review session, some of them physical, some of them whole days, some of them couple of days at the beginning, we really cleared up a lot of those bottlenecks much faster when we started doing that. And I think that was like a massive lesson learned. Some of the other things that come out is that, you know, when we talk to the team about it at the beginning, I think people think you're going to put a technology solution in and everything's going to get easier. Well, the truth is that some stuff gets a lot easier, but some stuff gets a lot harder. So there's a lot more work at the front end, but obviously that makes life downstream much easier. And that's where all your risk is. But some of the people who have to do the more work, like originators and underwriters, for et cetera, they don't necessarily see all the benefits down the stream. They will eventually, but it's, that's not as tangible to them. So you have to get them on board and, and make them realize that, yes, this is going to be more work for you up front, but it is going to benefit the team as a whole and enable us to run our business better. I think, you know, another big learning lesson for us was the back book. And I say that with intrepidation because that was a monumental task that we really had underestimated. To load your back book onto a new system is a lot of work. And you can try and automate that depending on what you have currently. But we ended up going for an outsourcing type solution. We tried to do it in-house. It was just too big a task. People have got their day jobs to do. And once you realize that and you bite that bullet, life gets much easier, much quicker. And then um, try and set expectations. Again, especially at that beginning where you're, you're trying to get some wins. Those quick wins are much slower at the beginning. They get easier as you get further into a project. Just because there's a lot of basic infrastructure that you have to get sorted at the beginning which is not glamorous and doesn't readily surface itself in a way that people say, oh, wow, that's great. It's like laying the railway tracks before you can put a train on them. Everyone wants the train, 
um, no one really appreciates the tracks. So, you know, those were certainly some of the things. Resourcing, I think, was another big lesson. We thought at the beginning we could have people do this in their spare time as well as their job, you know, day jobs. You certainly need that because, you know, you need business people who are putting input into what they really want out of the system. But we also realized after, you know, and it took us a little bit of time again, that we needed one or two people who were just dedicated to making this thing happen. We ended up hiring like business analyst type people who could run the project. And in fact, you know, that ended up being a great thing. Uh, The person that we hired in that place ended up becoming our COO because this is now such a core part of our infrastructure. Systems integration we've talked about, um, and that's going to depend on the kind of legacy systems that you have. We initially, certainly I initially, was under the misapprehension that we could have all of our systems talk directly to each other. And, um, you know, it became obvious pretty quickly that that would never happen and hence the need for this data lake concept, which again was very fortunate for me, coincided with a big initiative internally for that anyway. So we very quickly decided that it was best to use that as the way of transferring information from one place to another. But I got to say, you know, once you figure all this out, there are lots of benefits that come out of it and not, not just out of the technology, but just out of the process that you're forced to go through when you do it. We found so many ways to improve what we were doing. It really helped give us tools to manage risks that we previously would have found very difficult to even contemplate trying to capture, like legal risk within our documents and you know, capturing that so that we could query our portfolio by different aspect, you know, different legal risk type aspects. Much more efficiency in terms of our risk modeling and ability to access data and slice and dice data and merging of data sources, which is incredibly powerful. The ability to merge your portfolio data with market data is one that we've talked about before, but is incredibly powerful. Transparency. I mean, you want to know what's going on throughout the life cycle of a loan. The ability to just be able to log on to a system and see that straight away, as opposed to having to send five or six emails off to different people to, and then wait for responses before you know exactly where we are on certain projects is incredibly refreshing and powerful. And really the move from a mindset of you know, regulatory and position, what I call position reporting, i.e. You know, what do you have in the portfolio, to a mindset which is much more a risk management mindset, which is trying to assess where is the risk in the portfolio and have our analysts spend their time on that part of the portfolio rather than ticking and tying out accounting and regulatory reporting requirements. I think COVID was a fantastic example of the need for credible flexibility and a lot of real-time reporting as people wanted to know what was going on. And that was a great test case. We probably would do it even better next time around because you know this is ever evolving. And But as we learn, we keep improving the process and the technology to support it. You have both hinted that it takes a village to scope and implement a system. Brett, you've spent a lot of time over the last few years with data standards. You've been working with other third-party providers on this initiative. As it relates to AIG's build, what type of data is now available to be moved electronically, which would reduce manual processes in the development of a credit committee memo or asset summary? Our vision is to 
try to hit everywhere someone touches a keyboard and see if we can reduce that. And that's going to take a lot of time because at the end of the day, people choose different tools to do that analysis. So if it's, for example, bringing in market data, people actually want multiple sources, right? And so we have integration with some market data providers and a customer will use others. So we want to have an architecture that's open, that's able to bring in multiple disparate sources of that information. But we also want to have the flexibility to aggregate that for the customer specifically in the way that they leverage that data. So we've got things like market data. On the other hand, we see extraction of data from PDFs and that sort of thing. Obviously, that's a big time consumer in the both origination and asset management side. So can we extract operating statements and rent rolls? Should we be doing that on our own? Sure, we'd, we'd love to, to get that done on our own. But we also know that clients have relationships with third-party vendors to do that kind of work. So we want an open architecture and environment where we can leverage different vendors to consume that extracted information. Um, report ordering, whether it's third parties like appraisal, environmental, seismic, engineering, zoning, flood, there's a lot of data that ultimately is making its way into a credit memo that has to get into some sort of structured storage. And you know we've worked through something we call closer exchange to digitize a lot of the data for those third parties and be able to consume that quickly. And then also downstream, we want to be able to just order, just bring in the credit score, just bring in your OFAC check, whatever it may be. So all along the way, there's points where someone goes out of the system, reaches out to some third party, gets a deliverable, and then needs that information back in the system. And those are the places that we have opportunity to cut another step out of the process. You know, the vision for a credit memo or for a loan review document, whatever it may be on the post-closing side, a QAR, uh, the vision is the analyst, the underwriter, the asset manager, they can focus on looking at the risk profile of the asset and not focus on typing in the data to get there. There's always a ways to go because we have a lot of vendors and a lot of new technologies coming on in the market, but it starts with the infrastructure on how you do it, and then it moves into partnerships. One other piece is, and I think you alluded to it in your question, is I'm talking about getting data, right? So there's all these places that I want to get data, automate narrative writing with dynamic tags, plus putting in market data from the sources, whoever. And then there's the delivery. So not only should we be consumers, but we need to give as well. And through our APIs send downstream to the warehouse or into a data lake or deliver to the GSEs for commitment and then ultimate delivery. You know, how do we make their lives easier and integrate with their system? So it is a two-way street and each one of those pieces is taking another chunk that it could be as little as five minutes. It could be as much as four hours that we're trying to knock out of the process. It's interesting. Citus AMC participates in both the commercial and the residential mortgage industry. We've seen much greater adoption of technology on the residential side of the business. Tom, this is no small task that you've taken on to modernize your business. Thank you very much, guys. Tom Fewings, head of commercial real estate finance for AIG. 
and Brent Williams, Head of Commercial Real Estate Technology for Citus AMC. And I'd like to thank our audience for joining us for this episode of our In Conversation podcast. If you have any additional questions, or if you'd like to join our mailing list to learn more about future Citus AMC events, please reach out to us at connect at